plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Monday, September the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. All right, guys, on today's show, busy, busy show, the 2017 Dolphins roster is set. Who are the surprises that made the roster and who got snubbed from the roster? A comprehensive review of the 53-man roster. Also, opening day is just six days away. And what are the best season openers in Miami Dolphins history? We will get to that and more, but first, I have to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Drop me a five-star rating, write me a nice review. That helps our podcast get higher rates on iTunes. All that stuff helps to get out to more Dolphins fans, so it helps me, helps you guys. Really appreciate all that. Don't forget to check out the Lockdown Sports family of podcasts, including the Lockdown NFL podcast and the Lockdown Heat podcast for the national and local coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter. That's at Wingfield NFL. Check out thirdand10.com, my personal website, reviewing all quarterbacks in the NFL as well as college. Should have the college week one recap up here shortly. It'll be either Tuesday or Wednesday, not quite sure yet, as well as a preview of the NFL season for 2017. So check that out, thirdand10.com. All right, we've got a week packed full of content. This week, I'm going to have today's show reviewing the entire 53-man roster as well as talking about Dolphins season openers. Tomorrow, we're going to have stat predictions on Tuesday. Wednesday will be the season game-by-game predictions. And then Thursday, we are previewing an NFL football game for your Miami Dolphins. Week 1, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, September 10th in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And speaking of that game... If you are going to that game and are looking for transportation to the stadium as well as back, check out bus.com. What is bus.com? Bus.com is launching a shuttle service from Miami Beach to Hard Rock Stadium. It is a $5 round-trip introductory price for Week 1, September the 10th, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These luxury coach buses are air-conditioned, have bathrooms on board, and have everything for your game day transportation needs. No more dealing with game day traffic, no more parking at the stadium, paying for parking, finding a spot, walking all the way into the building. Who wants to have a designated driver on game day? No one does. So you can take bus.com shuttle services to the stadium, all your friends. Enjoy the game the way you want to enjoy it. Are you not going to be in Miami Beach? Well, no problem. You can also request a new route or a stop anywhere else through the website. That's at bus.com, or you can use the app. Put you in contact with the other riders on the team. That's bus.com, week one, introductory price, $5 round trip from Miami Beach to Hard Rock Stadium for Buccaneers at Dolphins. All right, guys, that's the end of the advertising and all the housekeeping we have to do. Let's get into the meat of this episode and talk about the Dolphins roster, which just came down yesterday. 
on Sunday, the 53-man from 90 cut. A lot of news action around the league with waiver wire claims and, and cuts and all that stuff that happens on this, I guess, the first time they've ever done this since the roster cut went from 75 down to everyone on this last day of the preseason quote-unquote training camp. Let's just go over the 53 men that made the roster. Quarterbacks are Jay Cutler and Matt Moore. No real surprises there. I think that part of the roster is going to be, it is what it is. We know what Matt Moore can do. We know what Jay Cutler can do. So no need to really get into that. I've talked about Jay Cutler ad nauseum. Running backs, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, Damian Williams, Sonoris Perry. Sonoris Perry sneaks onto the roster after kind of being an afterthought coming into August. So good for him for making the team and giving the Dolphins that fourth running back. It's kind of a vital special teams, possibly return man there. So keep an eye out for number 34, Sonoris Perry, returning kicks for the Dolphins. The receivers are the usual suspects, same guys from last year. Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, and Leontay Carew. No change from the running backs or from the receivers. With the addition of Sonoris Perry, he's, he is a change. And the quarterbacks would have been that way if not for Ryan Tannehill's injury. So that's pretty awesome how much continuity the Dolphins finally have after years and years and years of turnover. So the good for them for getting that done. The three tight ends, Julius Thomas, Anthony Fasano, Marquise Gray. I don't think there are any surprises there for anybody. Offensive line, the starting line figures to be Laramie Tunzel, Jesse Davis, Mike Pouncey, Jermon Bushrod, Jawan James, and then Ted Larson is still on the active roster as a reserve, so we'll see. Maybe that means he's coming back soon. They're probably going to go ahead and IR him once the first game is over so they can boomerang him back because if you IR him now, they're out for the season. So Ted Larson probably goes to short-term IR once the season starts. Anthony Steen, Eric Smith, the undrafted rookie, good for him. Jake Brendel, and then the fifth-round rookie, Isaac Asiata, rounds out the 10 offensive linemen. But like I said, probably will go to 9 come week 1. The defensive line, Cam Wake and Dominican Sue, Devon Godshow and Andre Branch figured to be your starters with Jordan Phillips and Will Hayes being the top guys off the bench. Rookie Charles Harris, first round pick Charles Harris and rookie fifth round pick Vincent Taylor, as well as number 78, Terrence Fiday, the fourth man, seventh round, fourth year man out of Marist University, Terrence Fiday. He makes it for his fourth consecutive year on the Dolphins. So good for him there. Linebackers are Kiko Alonso, Lawrence Timmons, Mike Hole, Chase Allen, the undrafted free agent, makes it as well. Ray Malalugas doesn't have a number yet. And the Dolphins claimed a guy, we're going to get to this a little bit later, from Kansas City. Justin March Lilliard uh, was picked up from the Kansas City Chiefs off waivers. One of two waiver claims. We'll get to those here in a second. The cornerbacks, Xavier Howard, Byron Maxwell, Bobby McCain, Alteron Werner, Cordray Tankersley, and Tory McTire, another undrafted player, Going to have to change his jersey because number five is not a legal jersey number for a defensive back. So he's got to make that change. Always good to see a number, a guy like that make the team because you know that he came from basically a long shot. Once you get it, if you're a cornerback that gets number five, you know, they don't think you're going to make the team. So good for him for doing that. The safeties, interesting concept here with, you know, we'll talk about TJ McDonald here in a minute, some news on him. But Rashad Jones, you're obviously your starter. Nate Allen's going to start alongside him. Michael Thomas and Walt Aikens, two special teams guys. And then Maurice Smith, another guy that had a single-digit number in training camp, number two. Maurice Smith makes the roster to round out the defensive back group, so he'll have to change his number. And then TJ McDonald, as I mentioned, he is going to be back week nine, returning from suspension. And when he does so, he will do so with a new contract under his uh, in his bank account. The guy gets a four-year, 20 Four-year, $24 million contract. That's about $6 million per year if you're not good at math like I am. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to have the safeties locked up here for quite a while with Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald both getting paid. So another guy not named Jarvis Landry gets paid. We will get into that more as the season goes along. But TJ McDonald did enough, I suppose, this August to impress the team and, and become the guy that they trust to play alongside Rashad Jones. And with those two guys, it's kind of nice because they're kind of similar players. So you can kind of 
you can alter some of your pre-snap looks and disguise things and you can rotate at the last minute and do a number of creative different things because those guys are very similar. So it's hard to tell like, well, you know, if Earl Thomas is back there with Cam Chancellor, you know, one guy's going to be more rangy and play in center field, whereas the other guy's going to be more of a box safety. Well, with Jones and McDonald, they're both pretty versatile and can do a little bit of both, although both do excel in the box. So a little bit of versatility there with those two guys to be able to do that. But this roster, I think, I mean, we kind of know where the strengths were. We know about the receivers are, are all studs. The quarterback position was a strength coming into the year. A lot of folks think Jay Cutler will be a strength. We'll see how that works out. The defensive line is a strength. I mean, top to bottom from Cam Wick to Terrence Fade, all those guys deserve roster spots in the NFL. The offensive line, I mean, there's 10 deep. It's a little bit shaky at spots. I think if one injury occurs there, you're in a lot of trouble. So we'll see what happens with that group. You know, Ted Larson coming back when that happens, not really sure. Tight ends, I would say, is a strength because of the depth with Fasano and Gray. Not a big Julius Thomas fan, as you guys know. Running backs love that group as well. Defensive backs, that's a little bit of a shaky area for me as well. I mean, you're relying on Tankersley and McTire, our rookies, as well as Althoron Werner, a first year in the system, and Maurice Smith is a rookie. And then Michael Thomas and Walt Aikens have not been good defensive players at all in their careers here. So a lot of special teams depth in those areas. And then the linebacker group is uh, ugh, is not, not a good-looking group. But they did pick up a guy from Kansas City off waivers, Justin March Lillard from the Kansas City Chiefs. And I have a little bit of a note on him here that I read from a Kansas City Chiefs beat writer. And I wish I could credit him, but I don't know where I found it because I found it from a secondary source. So this is a third-party source that you're getting. But a little write-up that I ran across on Justin March Lillard, the Dolphins' new linebacker. The note on him is that he is injury-prone, and that's kind of why he got showing the door in Kansas City. The, the note from 2015 from this beat writer said that he looked amazing in training camp, was catching the eye of the Chiefs front office, and then he, torn to, he suffered a torn meniscus during the first preseason game, and that kept him on injury reserve all year. 2016 comes back in time for the regular season, five games of it, records 22 tackles, 15 solo, but never saw the field again after he gets a hand injury. So this guy has been had his first two years, last two years of his career derailed by injuries. And then coming into 2017... The note they have on here is there's a lot to like about March Lillard, including the fact that he's capable of playing both inside as well as outside positions. And then he goes on to list a quote here from defensive coordinator Bob Sutton. says, quote, Justin is a very instinctive player. He keeps himself in good position from the standpoint that he stays square and he's got a feel for the ball. He's got some of that natural feel for the ball, and that's a great trait to have, particularly an inside player. You can't tell where the ball is going all the time, whether it's staying inside or bouncing back out. He's always had that sense of nature since he's been here. So you get the feeling that he's one of those instinctive guys that kind of read and reacts and he can play, you know, not just the game physically, but between the ears, which is something that you have to have to play linebacker. So sounds like a potential, I mean, a guy that could potentially play the Mike position if he, you know, if he can step his game up because right now he's got Mike Hole, Chase Allen, and Ray Malaluga ahead of him. And I don't see any of those three guys really preventing him from getting onto the field if he, if he performs. So he's a guy that could see some good reps this year, provided he stays healthy. But a name to keep an eye on. I was pretty excited to read that stuff about him, especially from the defensive coordinator. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. Now, the other pickup was a pretty big surprise as the Dolphins are going to be 
shifting gears at the specialist positions. They are no longer going to have Matt Darr or Andrew Franks, who was cut Sunday after the Dolphins claimed Cody Parkey from the Cleveland Browns. And if you remember Cody Parkey, when the Dolphins were 0-2 and really struggling in that game against the Browns last year in Week 3, Parkey missed three field goals, including what would have been a game winner at the buzzer at, at regulation. So technically, he's already won a game for the Dolphins without even having suited up as a Dolphin yet. So that's the 53. I, I imagine that'll change a little bit over the next couple of days, uh, especially after week one, once the Ted Larson thing gets sorted out. You might have some guys coming here and there, coming and going here and there. But uh, they added eight players to the practice squad as well. They still have two more to add. The guys that did make the practice squad, quarterback Brian Dowdy, tight end Thomas Duarte, tackle Sean Hickey, wide receiver Malcolm Lewis, cornerback Jordan Lucas, defensive end Cameron Melvaux, wide receiver Drew Morgan, and running back Davion Smith. So that's your 2017 opening day Miami Dolphins. Like I said, probably going to change throughout the next couple of weeks or so, and will definitely change throughout the course of the season as it does every single year. So... That brings us to the next segment of the show, one that I'm pretty excited about. I actually just thought about it before I jumped on the air. I needed a second segment to go along with the roster predictions and everything, and that's going to be best opening days in Miami Dolphins history. Now, before I get into that, let me remind you, I turned 30 in October, so I don't have the luxury of going back to the early Marino years or even back to the perfect team in the 70s when Don Shula came came in, took over, and turned the Dolphins into a powerhouse. So my memories are a little bit more... Uh, let's say more of a moral victory type of a situation rather than really substantial wins that make a difference in the season. So game number one, the one that I remember more than any other one, I can I can recite the uh, the scoring plays off the top of my head for you because I had this game on VHS tape and watched it hundreds of times, it seems like. But the 2005 opener against the Denver Broncos at home, that was my senior year in high school. The Dolphins were supposed to be a complete afterthought after you know going 4-12 and the year before, Nick Saban's first game. And they come in facing the Broncos, who are a Super Bowl pick in the AFC for some experts or, you know, quote unquote experts. And they came in and just laid the wood to the Broncos, taking them down 34 to 10. Jason Taylor finishes off the game with an impressive strip sack and takes it back to the to the house for a touchdown to give the Dolphins that big 34 to 10 win. So the number one game, 2005 opener against the Denver Broncos at home, Dolphins roll 34 to 10. My number two opener, a more recent game, and a win against our most hated rival, the New England Patriots. The Dolphins signed no Sean Marino in the offseason, and he comes in and just handles the New England Patriots as the Dolphins take down the Pats 33-20 to on opening day. And we were all feeling pretty good about that at that point of the year. Ryan Tannehill in his third season with a up-and-down day, but a big touchdown pass to Mike Wallace in that game to get the offense going before no Sean Marino took over. And I remember thinking after that game, and there was a couple weeks later, the Dolphins, or the, excuse me, the Patriots played the Chiefs and got railed on Monday Night Football. And just thinking, like, this could be the year the Dolphins actually overcome the Patriots because not because of our own paralysis, but the Patriots' own falling off the pedestal of just sheer dominance year after year after year. But that wasn't the case. Here we are, 2017. They have wrapped up two more Super Bowls in that time, and we are still, unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins. So. Number two opening day game for this podcast host is the 2014 opener against the New England Patriots. Dolphins win 33-20. The number three season opener for me was a game where I was just a kid, but I have this game on DVD as well. It was sent to me through a, a Dolphins fan exchange site, and it's the 1994 season opener against the New England Patriots. Dan Marino and Drew Bledsoe dueling it out. Marino goes for 456 passing yards, five touchdowns for the win. 
over Drew Bledsoe, who was also dealing in that game. 39-35 to 35 in that one. A rain-soaked Miami Marlins, I guess Florida Marlins back then, infield was covering the field. All the players had the, the mud all over their jerseys, and Marino just dealt all day long, tossing a couple touchdowns to Irving Fryer, and just had an awesome game. That was fun to watch for me as a fan to relive that moment from my childhood and then seeing it as I, was an, as I was an adult later on. So number three, 94 win over the Patriots, again, 39-35. to 35. The number four season opener that I remember the most, and this is one more of a personal thing, not because it was an impressive win, but because it was the first game of the Ricky Williams era, and Wanstead did not waste any time pounding him with the football. A 49-21 win over the Detroit Lions at home, again on that baseball infield, and Ricky went off for 100-and-something yards, even though he had like 40-something carries or something in that ballpark. And uh, that was the birth of the the dreaded dreadlock demon, taking over Miami Beach and being a dominant back that he was. So 2002 win over the Detroit Lions, my fourth best opening day memory. And the number five season opener that I recall most was a shutout back in night or excuse me, in 2000 over the Seattle Seahawks, 23 to nothing. I don't really remember the game that well because I was pretty young, but I do know that was the first year after Marino retired. We had just beaten the Seahawks the year before in the playoffs and I, you know, anytime the Dolphins play the Seahawks, it's a big game for me because I live out here in Washington State. And so having my family around and seeing the Dolphins beat up on the Seahawks and shutting them out was pretty fun to see. Only allowed 72 passing yards in that game, 71 rushing yards. So 143 yards for the Seahawks offense on that day. Just sheer dominance from the Miami Dolphins. And I believe that game, if I recall correctly, was played at the University of Washington Husky Stadium as the Kingdome had been blown up and they were building the, uh, the Seahawks' current stadium, CenturyLink Field. So those are the top five opening days for this Dolphins podcast or Dolphins fan. Number one, the 2005 win over the Denver Broncos. Number two, the 2014 win over the New England Patriots. Number three, the 1994 win over the New England Patriots. Number four, the 2002 win over the Detroit Lions. And number five, the 2000 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Opening day is upon us, guys. Six days away. Cannot wait to see what happens with this team and where they go with Adam Gaze in year two. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a ton of content for you guys this week. Tomorrow, we're going to do stat predictions where I'm going to kind of go through and, and go back over Adam Gaze last year as well as some of the players and comb through the stat number or the, the snap counts, the target counts, and what that means for their yardage and yards per catch and just kind of take accumulation and, and find out what their stats are going to be and give you guys a fun little prediction episode and interact with me on Twitter on that. Let me know what you think, how wrong I am, how right I am, how stupid I am, whatever you want to say. Hit me up at Wingfield NFL on Twitter and let me know what you think about that stuff. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And like I said, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Check out thirdand10.com. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose of Dolphins football. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.